0: Everybody, Welcome to Three Point Perspective, a podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. I'm Anthony Wheeler.
1: And I'm Will Terry. And all three of us are professional illustrators. We've all worked for all the major publishers in the business. Together, we've published somewhere around 75 children's books,
2: and we've all taught illustration at university art schools. Uh, each week, we tackle a subject related to illustration from three perspectives. I'm one of those perspectives today. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we argue, but every time you learn something new. And what I've learned today is that Lee doesn't care about your show anymore. And I'm out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> hoping we could do an entire show without bringing up his name. <laughs> Almost like uh, one of those episodes of uh, you know an 80s sitcom where they just switch out the actor. <laughs> yeah. Right and nobody's cu- like, yeah <laughs> cousin like Eddie's won't. there
2: for the Brady bunch and you're just like wait where did this kid come from they don't even talk about it right he won't listen to this anyway so we could say or whatever even, we want even well
0: more specific they switched didn't they switch actresses for marsha and at uh, some point yeah and nobody's like oh your hair's different marsha yeah. no it's just <laughs> that's what that's the marsha we've had this whole time
2: <laughs> <laughs> now i don't want I, I know you told me to not talk about lee but i did present <laughs> a question Yesterday, have you heard this theory that Lee is really a time traveler? Uh, you brought that up. I so did. what <laughs> What's I have the, some visual kind of proof. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I have some evidence. Okay, if so, you're on
0: YouTube, let's see this
2: visual. Yeah. Visual so this proof. is a visual thing, unfortunately for for folks in the car right now. But if you just go over to the YouTube, you'll see. I'm going to put something on screen here, which shows that he is in fact a time traveler, and one of the most recent photos taken of Lee White was in the 1950s. And uh, here's my <laughs> Doppel- proof. Doppelganger time. Huh? Here's my proof, right here, up on screen. Right oh, here. there we are. There the it is. screen. It's uh, <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's <laughs> a so found photo from the 1950s of lee white painting and that was, uh, he, that was <laughs> when he was on uh, an
1: episode of father knows best i think
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah my three sons yeah, he was on an episode sons, yeah. of my three sons and like he knew i was going to be here. an
0: animation of you
2: <laughs> that's it he knew i was going to be here and uh he in fact is painting this right now it's super weird it's very meta but uh, i thought i would show that just in case people hadn't seen it he has that. I know that a picture is being snapped of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does. He does. What I don't understand that's
0: is it. how how the the dude doesn't age. Like he has looked the same age for the last no, twenty or thirty. years. That's the thing. It's
2: time travel.
1: Well, no. It's uh, what's that show? The Highlander. Mm. He's got the <laughs> kata- he's
2: got the katana, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Before we, yeah, before we got onto the stream, we were talking about uh, other uh, children's book illustrators and authors and how they're just mm-hmm. not here anymore. And it's because he takes their power.
1: Right. Mm. And they're,
2: they're gone for a reason.
1: So, like, so. paintbrushes go up, come out, and then they fight
0: it out. <laughs> so Lightning dumb. bolt comes down. <laughs> and then he says, well, I have the power. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you were also mentioning earlier that you got a, a second school visit yeah. from— yeah, I want to know, catch people up on what you're doing here and how you're landing these school visits for your well, you book. You know, I
1: got this, uh, everybody that's been watching has already knows about my Pickleball Paul children's book series. So I'm not going to hold it up again and, and do another mm-hmm. s- shameless plug. But uh, in trying to market these books behind me, mm-hmm. I um, one of my strategies was to get into the schools locally um, and, and just to just to try it here, there's a you know we, we live in the the greater Phoenix area, and so there's a lot of school districts around us. And I thought I mean, one of the hard things about doing school visits is when you have to travel, you have know, to you get on an airplane, and it really wrecks your your time. But if you can do local ones, um, it could be more lucrative because you still get paid the same, but you don't have to spend all that time traveling. So mm-hmm. I sent books since you know these books are I got them at a really cheap price because I printed a lot of them so for me to send a book out is only like it's like eight dollars for a school seven or eight dollars mm-hmm. including postage and everything so i sent 50 out and um i've Total gotten budget
0: there is what well 50 hundred to
1: bucks? 240 bucks something like that yeah. yeah and then um um i got one school visit and then i got another and the first one is paying 800 uh, we're negotiating on the second one, and um, and then there's a third one that may or may not happen, and uh, a few other little nibbles and stuff. So we'll we'll see. Um, the neat thing is they're agreeing to take my order forms and send them out. When I send out, uh, when I would do school visits in the past, <coughs> I wasn't really incentivized because when I sold a bone apart, falls apart from my Penguin Random House publisher, I get like somewhere around 50 cents a book. So if I sell a hundred books at a, at a school, that's a lot of books to sign. I only get 50 bucks, right Mm -hmm. now they are paying an honorarium. So that's nice, Mm -hmm. but there's not really much incentive to sell your books. Other than if you're, if you're going to do lots and lots of school visits, it really does help you. Your publishers will love you because you're selling a lot of books Mm -hmm. and they will, have a tendency to want to publish more of your books. So I hope we get to interview David Badricki because he's one of those guys who's in the schools like every week. I mean, he's just scheduled out every week. But uh, when I sell one of these, instead of making 50 cents, I can make 15 bucks. That's a huge difference. I sell a hundred of these. I make 1500 bucks on top of the honorarium, which is, Mm -hmm. you know,
2: that's a good afternoon's worth of work. Thousand, a good afternoons,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway,
2: that's what that's one of the things I'm up to right now. Do you think that's going to be part of your big overall strategy for the fall and the winter is to try to do as many book visits locally as you can? I'm going to
1: see how these go. I want to see, you know, how schools handle sending out the order forms and how many are actually getting ordered. Uh, my, my, like the guy I mentioned, David Radricke, and I are, have been <clears throat> online friends for a while. and And he says, you know, you can expect anywhere from Low end, sixty or seventy books up to a couple hundred. So you know you could do pretty well if you're making if you're selling your own book. Mm-hmm. But yeah. but we'll see how it goes and we'll see how how um, I, you know. But there's a lot of sc- lot more schools. There's I think in in the Phoenix area there's like four hundred elementary schools. So there's a I, I have a lot of territory just in this area.
2: I had a uh, I'm, I'm working on a project right now and I had a call with uh, with one of my friends who's a who's a corporate strategist and we talked a lot about the education and school market and just uh, how big and how much money and the demographic and uh, while we might be worried about AI and, you know, some of that stuff in our world. Teachers mm-hmm. got to teach, and they need to read, and students need yeah. tactile things, and those visits and those um, uh, marketing directly to the teachers, the librarians, the parents of those students. Like we had a we had a we had a teacher visit recently, and I'm telling you, every child that came out of that building the day before that visit were begging their children or begging their parents to to buy the book and yeah. you know send them with ten dollars for the book for the next day. Like it's you you feel lost if you're the one kid in your class who doesn't have right. the project. Um, so it's such it's such a it's a market it's a huge market yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that's incredible you know we had Kazoo Kibuishi on the the channel or the channel whatever the podcast whatever this thing is that we're doing get him on yeah what is this yeah Yeah. I don't know (laughs) it's a multimedia cross-platform show of some kind no he but he moved from Seattle to Texas specifically because he kept doing visits out there, yeah. and Texas is sort of like because it's such a huge school district. Um, they uh, they have a lot of money. They have a lot yeah. of uh, emphasis on how other education, other uh, school districts kind of do their things. Because if Texas invests in something, you know that's how things kind of go. And I don't mm-hmm. know everything about. How school districts work. Districts work, but one of his big reasons for out there, moving out there is just access to the librarians out there, the schools out there, all that stuff. So he wouldn't have to travel around the country <laughs> so much. Plus, it's more central. Yeah. If you do want to do an East Coast vis or visit or a West Coast visit, you're central. It's it's, it's the same. Is sort he, of, so is uh, he
1: selling thing. a lot in the schools then?
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: um, think he's selling a lot, no everywhere. matter what he does. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Is it uh, the?
1: Is he pushing? It's not Amulet still. Yeah, Amulet. It? He's coming
0: <laughs> out with Amulet Nine. Book uh, Nine comes out soon. Yeah, that's yeah? the final okay. book in this whole thing. The, um, lo- the long, the long awaited, the long
2: yeah. awaited. Yeah,
0: it's and cool. I think we should have him on for that for that final one. It'll come out in February. We should probably have him on and and kind of review how things are going with them and see what's next. I really want to know what's next for that guy. Cool.
2: Only good um, things. Only yeah. good
0: things. Yeah. All right. So, g- Will gave us an update. I want to know what you've been up to, Anthony. What 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 you got cooking? We got yeah. We a, um, a month of some, uh, what would you call it? The, uh, the chaotic draw along month. Yeah. Or?
2: So depending, yeah. Depending on when this episode goes out. So, um, yeah, there's kind of three, three big things. And I was talking to Jake about this earlier. So, uh, I have a line of kind of professional grade sketchbooks, but I joke that we sell them for an amateur price. Uh, we just refreshed the line after the, I don't know what we're year number three into it. Uh, mm-hmm. so we released a red limited edition sketchbook, it's really amazing. We upgraded uh, a couple of key components, and it's pretty fantastic. Um, but the launch of that project was good, but softer than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. And after the first couple of days, um, we just really sat down and evaluated um, that a lot of my audience has migrated over to my daily live stream, and and that's and that's where I, I spend most of my time, and I I really mm-hmm. love it. Um, But I also have, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers between Instagram and TikTok and all the other stuff. And uh, sometimes because you just get busy, you kind of let that stuff sort of go to the wayside. Uh, So... Uh, in the brand new Red Limited Edition sketchbook, I decided to do 32 days of super awesome, which is where I let the audience control my sketchbook for 32 days, and uh, we have created a lot of things. I just had to draw uh, a sea creature in a beauty pageant. Uh, that was uh, that's. I think that's the one that's going up today. Um, but it's been great, and that pro- what that's done is it's brought that sketchbook into profitability. So we're we're in the black now, which is really great. Um, it's taken. Uh, in the first like 20 days of the project, there was 500,000 impressions on Instagram. Whereas the month before that might've been 12 total (laughs) impressions. Um, so I'm back in front of my audience and, uh, I've changed my, I've changed the cadence of those videos and they're much more sort of talky and jokey. One day I, I made dinosaur noises for some ungodly reason. (laughs) And, uh, that's probably one of the best watch videos I've ever put on the internet. And so, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> uh, I, what I really wanted to do, to do though, was to get my personality back in front of my big audience. Uh, I like sometimes the just the draw stuff, and you don't see the you don't see the face. There's no one talking. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I just I just wanted people to see who I was and what I'm about and you know, mm-hmm. the, the sense of humor and comedy. Because what's coming out of this 32 days of super awesome is our big big fall project, which is our chaotic draw long prompt deck. So every Friday over on my Twitch live stream, we host a chaotic draw along where it's a mutual punishment where people come into the live stream, give weird ideas of things to draw. I have to draw. It, they have to draw. it. I share their artwork on my stream over Friday and Monday. And it's become this thing that uh, it, like it's just it's just big. It's just way bigger than what I am right now. Mm-hmm. And so about six months ago, we decided to uh, turn it into a an art prompt card game. So it's both one part creative tool and then it's one part game. It can go into the education market super easy. A parent can put it onto the table uh, before dinner and the kids can pull uh, three random cards and come up with some incredibly weird thing or a nice thing. It's all perfectly geared for families and everything like that, but it still has my sort of sense of humor. Uh, And then if you wanted to bring it uh, out uh, while you've got some friends over and there's drinks and beverages and, uh, and let it get a little bit weird it's that Mm -hmm. too so uh we're in the in the final throes of the uh of the design and then we've got two printers on tap uh one domestic one abroad and we're kickstarting this thing probably again i don't know when this goes out but um sometime here in september uh that kickstarter is going to go up and um Mm -hmm. it's going to be it's going to be really cool it's going to be really cool you, you are a busy busy man Seems like it. Well, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough, you know. It, when I left corporate America, I guess we're going on seven years now. Um, mm-hmm. I had no idea what my career was going to be. I had, I had, I just had no idea. Um, the big thing that I, that w- you know, we all talk about this constantly. You just have to figure out ways to take your what you're passionate about. And then monetize it in lots of different directions, mm-hmm. but I think more importantly, you have to give utility back to people. You have to give people a reason to care. You have to, you know, show your empathy and your kindness, um, and you have to you have to give back as much as you can, so people feel like they really. Are, are getting what they deserve from it. And mm-hmm. then, so all the projects that I'm working on right now have some sort of utility. So like the 32 Days is super awesome. It's a it's a fun comedy video uh, that I put out every day, um, mm-hmm. but it's also a project that I can complete. I can sell all those pieces, but people are finding a lot of value in that. And a lot of people are messaging me saying like they haven't drawn in 20 years, but me drawing mm-hmm. weird stuff like this is making them want to draw again. And then, that, the, then the Card Prompt project, It's just all about getting people off of their devices, out of their heads, and just making a thing. So that's it. That's super cool. That's it. That's super cool. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Uh, I yeah
0: no it's 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 impressive and it's it's really cool. Like I'm just always so impressed with how you bring with you to your illustration work and to this community building that you do all of your your um, experience in corporate America and and looking at it from that angle on that side of things, because the, the job that you were doing really was about the psychology, like how people yeah. think and what they react to and what they need. And, yeah. and you're looking deeper than just surface stuff. And you really yeah. do bring that to to what you're doing here. So that's, Appreciate that's it. cool. Thank you. Super. It's cool. really nice of you. Um, yeah. Should we get down to some well, questions? What are you working on? Uh, what am I working on? I'll tell you what I'm working on. Uh, we just dropped... Uh, a Pictionary Inktober edition, and that is available now on MattelCreations.com. as like a collector's item. Can and I show this it? Was, uh, yeah, yeah. Hold it. Wait, up. What? Yeah. I can didn't I hold know it about up? This? I thought I told you about this, Will. No. Let me go grab mine. Jake my just house.
1: launches a new product every day, so it's like no big deal to him.
2: Isn't it cool that two thirds <laughs> of us have it? Where's yours, Will? What? Yeah, where's so, yours, Will?
0: Where, how do you get that? Uh, if you want one, I'll send one to you. For you sure. got to
2: know the guy. You got to know, know the guy. One. You know, I'm Listen. waiting to
1: put to put my uh, Inktober book on eBay, just so you know.
2: Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so
0: it, it comes with the, the sketchbook, and then it has this, uh, this so panel. So cool. God, it's so cool. clear panel that you could put over, and then you could pick one of the drawings. You You hold up your prompt card you know, like all Pictionary uh-huh. uh, has. And so let's see, this one has uh, fish, right? And if they have a mm-hmm. little eye next to it, it means it's it's been an official prompt in, in one of the Inktober's. So fish, you go here and, and you look for uh, an image that fish would fit in so that you could get, you know, so you could get it um, going right along. So I might take one of these guys mm-hmm. and then grab my marker Put the, the, the plexiglass over the top of it so you don't ruin the sketchbook. Draw over the top of it and have one of these guys with a fishing pole and a little fish hanging from it. And then <laughs> people would get, you know. It's such
2: dish. a cool design. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah,
0: it it really is. I mean, it was Pictionary reached out and they're like, hey, we're we're fans of Inktober. We really, you know, love the, the challenge, what, what you've been doing. And what if we, we just feel like it'd be a good fit to do uh, Pictionary Inktober. Is that Hasbro? Uh, it's Mattel. it's Mattel. Mattel. Oh, you said that. Yeah. Yeah. The only so that's out, the only
1: competition really for for Hasbro now anymore, right?
0: I mean, I don't know. Hasbro. Hasbro has plenty. Of, they've got Transformers and, and GI Joe, and Mattel has Barbie and and Pictionary and Uno, and Mattel I think is uh, really. Got the corner on board game stuff, but they also have like Barbie and Masters of the Universe, which is everywhere mm. these days. Yeah. Um, what else is Mattel? I'm not I'm not sure. Oh, they got some Harry Potter licenses going on. They made some Harry Potter mm. toys and stuff. So they said, make sure when you record any videos for this to not have any uh, Hasbro stuff in the background. Don't
1: mention
2: don't even mention it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Speaking of licensing, you just had a uh, you just had something drop for Disney as well, right? Oh, that's right. That's the other thing. <laughs> I, here's the thing: you work for years in or months
0: <laughs> in uh, under NDA, right? Where you just like yeah. I can't talk about it, and and you finish the project, and then it doesn't come out until six months or a year later, right? So right. like, I just did really, or Disney just dropped Lorcana, right? Uh, the, the new card game. I did two cards for this first set that, that, that came out. I've done, I've done eight total. Um, I've done, <laughs> What's funny? Um, I don't have them handy. Is he They're said? In this we thing. Sh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> he says we shouldn't show any Hasbro stuff, but I have a Hasbro game right behind.
0: Yeah. All these co- these. Well,
2: well, yeah, we're, gonna have, okay, we're gonna have to take you. We're gonna have to take you out of the podcast. Yeah. Here's Jafar, wicked sorcerer,
0: card. And here's Kronk. Uh, sorry about the glare, but there's Kronk. Um,
2: it's cool to and- see you. It's not to interrupt. It's cool to see you work on a different model. Um, you still get those hints and elements of you and your style, but you're you're mm. on a uh, a really specific model, which is really neat. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about
0: Disney too. Is they're like um, it was a little hard for me. I'm so jealous of these other artists who could just like land it. You know, Nicholas Coles, the the sort of lead artist on this thing, just nailed it. Cam Kendall also did a (laughs) few of them, nailed it. And what it is, is they want you to bring your style to it but you have to be on model, on Disney model, yeah. right? And so I kept straying too far from it. And my notes were always like, let's overlay Disney over the top of it. Jafar sure the just notes- a robot
2: every time he submitted it. <laughs> Quit making him a robot. right?
0: <laughs> but what's funny is those two cards I did two years ago. Or, or they reached oh, out oh. to me two years ago. Yeah. Um, and, and then we started working on it. So that's how far ahead these projects start and why you forget about them. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the pictionary thing. They reached out last November or December. You know, so almost a year ago. So uh, these things just cook and simmer, uh, and then and then they're you know the, the the timer dings and they're ready to go, and everybody can enjoy these tasty treats. And then. <laughs> Just wipe the little crumbs off the corner with an I don't know where this is going. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> just
2: keep going. Keep going. I'm just hopeful that you're going to cross all the metaphors. A big full belly of <laughs> yeah. pop culture.
0: <laughs> and yeah,
2: there we go.
0: Uh, anyway. Okay, so that's what I've been up to. But let's get, let's get to some questions here. Um, and I do like going over what you guys are working on because we're all working professionals. We are all like in the thick of it. And we're learning about things and, and growing things. We just want to growing things. We're learning about things and growing in this, in this profession, even at this age. And if we can learn something and can help you understand something about illustration better, we're going we're gonna to do it. First question from Jessica. How do you define a, quote, professional artist? Over the past few years, the Three Point Perspective Podcasts have been both engaging and informative in my illustration journey. My husband and I especially enjoyed listening to them on our morning runs. That's awesome. I listen to it every once in a while on my morning run, too. So we're running together. We're all having a, a good running. Here's my question. <laughs> I, I'm my. <laughs> this is... This is a point where if my wife was listening, she'd get that big cane with like with the hook <laughs> yeah. at the end of it and just pull me off. Say, so leave it, leave it to Anthony and Jake. Uh, I mean Anthony and Will. Okay, here we go. When did you feel comfortable calling yourself a professional artist? Was it when you were able to support yourself financially with your art, or when you felt you had reached a certain level of quality and skill? I've heard some people describe being a professional artist as one who creates artwork that is financially lucrative. But I've also seen plenty of highly skilled artists who make uh, modest to little income on their artwork. Take Van Gogh, for example, who only sold a couple of paintings in his life. Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, What do you guys think? What do you guys think? How do you define professional artists? Go ahead, Anthony.
2: I thought about this question earlier because i came I came to this career so much later. I left corporate America at thirty six. Uh, I, um, I I just to study and learn how to draw for a couple of years. We ended up having a third child. My father passed away. We had Covid. And then it wasn't until like maybe two years ago that I sort of really kind of quote unquote, called myself a professional, um, despite having some success in, in, for certain projects or social media or whatever it is. Um, and I, I don't know if there's one for me personally, I don't know if there's one definable aspect, whether you have a really good profession or like a lucrative year financially, or if you get a hundred thousand followers on your favorite social media platform, uh, it, I, I think it for me it was kind of a culmination of a bunch of di- different stuff. When, when clients were reaching out to me for my expertise, uh, when I could uh, afford to, to, um, uh, to pay for my entire family, family of five, my wife doesn't have a job. So I'm, I'm the sole breadwinner. And then when everything was kind of cooking sort of social media, extra products, online store, that's kind of when I was just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just a professional. And then mm-hmm. live streaming this last couple of years, um, uh, because I, I'm such an art nerd and such an illustration nerd. Uh, just being able to regurgitate what I know about art and illustration and, uh, and techniques and things like that just helps reinforce the idea that I'm in the right spot. You know, whether I would be considered a professional compared to somebody else, I, I, who knows? Um, but uh, that that was kind of what was going through my brain earlier when I read this.
0: Mm. What do you think, Will?
2: I,
1: my personality is that I... I learned early on not to not to really um, worry about titles and stuff like that. And I'm not suggesting that this person is. I don't want this person to feel like I'm saying that they're they're thinking wrong. But just keep things in perspective. In that, it, when 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 we were doing editorial illustration, it was so highly stylized, and there was so much of it. And I'm talking about in the in the early '90s and yeah, early '90s that anybody, well, they, they were hiring just about anybody who put together a portfolio. There was so much work. And I had a lot of friends who were getting, who were making a living doing illustration. And I, I see people today who are five, 10 times better who can't get work. So those guys would call themselves pro back in the day. But you guys today, a lot of you guys are better who can't call yourself pro because you're not getting the work. It doesn't really bear out to me. It's it's not that important to be what you're, you know, just, just keep in mind that you're trying to, the goal is to support yourself with your work. And I don't know. I don't know if my comments are even helping at all. Just... My my thought is just don't get hung up on on the day that you can call yourself a professional because then the other part of that is you know I've had times in my career where I was getting tons of work and I was like man this is this is easy this is great this is amazing I have a great lifestyle and then this was like in the first five years it one one year it just kind of shut off for a while mm-hmm. you know and did I cease to become a professional at that time you know it was just a lull you know and I had to work really hard to market my my stuff and then I was. Busy with tons of work again. So,
0: I want to I want to pull up uh, Jessica's uh, page here. She ha- has this uh, character called Interstella, Space Angel, mm-hmm. which is so up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> I just absolutely love what she's doing here. And essentially, yeah, she's, great. Yeah, yeah, she's come up with this character Interstella who is kind of like this. Um, you know she like space god of some kind she cleans the universe she breaks the rings of saturn she's kind of like this metaphysical thing who also is very much grounded in uh human reality but Mm -hmm. like there's this whole sequence here where she's like a brief guide to star size you know here's earth compared to the sun here's the sun compared to sirius compared to pollux you know all the way up to like uh beetlejuice and and Mm scooty uh, i'm not sure if that's how it's pronounced but this massive star but then she's holding that the biggest star ever in her hand so it's like really cool symbolic stuff going on here but then some like she folds into it some commentary on mm-hmm. like how this applies to us as earthlings and and how we could think of ourselves as being you know not just insignificant little you know dust speck in the universe, right? So this is really good I, work, by the way. Yeah, really good.
2: <laughs> yes,
1: no. You should it's, join it's us on amazing. YouTube to see what we're showing because it's it's really really right. nice.
0: And it's so much so much work has gone. If you've ever sat down to draw a, a comic page, you know how much work has gone into this and how consistent she is with the the style, uh, and, and the faces and everything and and poses all that stuff is really good. So what I would say is she is doing professional work and she Mm -hmm. absolutely could call herself a professional because I don't think professional necessarily means you're getting paid to do it. I think it means you're bringing, it's what you bring to the work. Mm -hmm. If you bring a level of professionalism to your work, then you're professional. If you bring a level of amateurism to your work, I know people who get paid for their artwork who are amateurs (laughs) amateurs <laughs> when it comes right. to how yeah they that's work what I was talking about how they meet deadlines this is
1: so much better than than anything i was doing mm-hmm. in, you know in the early 90s I, I couldn't i you know and i was getting tons of work so yeah
0: so yeah. I, I think too it's like do you a, a professional also does their work whether they feel like it or not whereas an amateur or hobbyist it's just for fun it's just, it's this thing I do for fun. It's this thing that I do it when I feel like it, but a professional shows up and does the work because the work needs to be done and they do it mm. in a, a consistent high quality. And so you could have someone yeah. who who's doing a web comic um, and hasn't made a dime off of it, but they've been consistent on it for two years straight. I'd say they're, they're doing professional work.
2: Yep. Right. When I, when I was an executive recruiter, some of the advice that we would give, or I would give is that you dress for the job that you want, not the job that you have. So Mm -hmm. if you work in a warehouse and you wear jeans and a t-shirt, but you want to be an accountant in a professional setting, you put the clothes on for an accountant and that's what you come into the interview with. Mm -hmm. Um, it, at some point, at some point, particularly, I mean, this I think this is really like rock solid superior work uh, that we're looking at on screen. Uh, mm-hmm. I think at some point it all just kind of clicks together. Uh, so in this aspect, not only are we getting really great figure work, but we're getting really amazing color work and then mm-hmm. layouts, and then lettering, and then color grading. And that's mm-hmm. that's the sign, I think, of when somebody can really kind of claim that they are a professional in their market, is when all of those disparate things that we do in art and illustration come together and they just click, just straight-up click. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're dressed for the part that you want. The art director reaches out, uh, or you're able to monetize and, and do what you need to do. It just sort of falls into place. Yeah. So I, you know, if Jessica is looking
0: for, uh, you know, professional work, like getting hired to do a graphic novel or anything like that, I think she's got what it takes. It's just Mm -hmm. finding a project that matches, you know, that her style matches that an art director, you know, wants her work to, uh, to, to do it. Right. So I don't know. I feel like we, we, we nailed that question too. That also explains. Yes, yes. we did it, guys. We did it. What you said there too would also explain why I worked with that guy who always wore a spacesuit. You know, (laughs) he he just he wanted uh, he wanted to be an astronaut. So
2: yeah, that's where Lee White is today. He's on the moon. Right. He's on the ceiling. (laughs) He's probably on some scaffolding right now. Yeah, renovating something.
0: All right, next question comes from Joel Joe. He says, uh, spoiler alert, in the most recent podcast Jake spoiled Old Man in the Sea, and <laughs> Will spoiled Shawshank Redemption, and yes. recently didn't Lee didn't uh, and Lee, recently didn't Lee tell us something about Luke Skywalker's father? Uh, <laughs> yes, we do tend to spoil anything that's over 40 years old. I have a 10 I
1: have a 10-year rule. Once it's 10 years, <laughs> you're on your own.
0: Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> We won't spoil, you know, this week's episode of Ahsoka for you, but we will spoil <laughs> uh, Shawshank Redemption, which came out in 1995, mm-hmm. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> um, okay, so essentially, he says he went th- uh, he went through levels one, two, and three ish of the curriculum a few years ago. Uh, it's grown since then, and he needs to revisit the color classes now. And he says, "I've started working digital on an iPad." Uh, so revisiting the color while working digital is, is probably a good idea. Any tips for breaking out of the forever practicing mode? I know the answer is probably do a small and specific project, but maybe <laughs> hearing it from you will get me moving. I always feel like my work isn't quite where I want it to be.
1: I think I, this is a perfect candidate for the master
0: copy. Master copy. Okay, let's hear it. Well, explain Well,
1: that. I'm looking at his Instagram and he's, it looks like he's into comics and mm-hmm. portraiture, mm-hmm. and yeah, and doing doing a project, doing a comic if that's what you I'm want to pull do it Joe. Up for our YouTube people. Uh, yeah, if that's you know like what do you want to do, do that thing or, um, you know, and the reason I say master copy is because his his portraiture, s- some of it looks like it could be taken further. To, to a higher level of finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do a master copy, you can really... Uh, now, assuming that you are picking a master, like, it's funny because when I when I had my students do master copies at UBU, some of them brought in c- things to copy. And I was like, you need new heroes. You know, you need another... <laughs> like, you're... Like why? Why do you like this? And then uh, they drill down, and they're like, they were in love with the idea behind uh-huh. the painting. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so but that's not the right reason to pick a master copy. Mm-hmm. The reason to pick a master copy was just looking at the art. So mm-hmm. you know, you need to you need to be create able to create art on the level that you want to compete at. And one way to be able to do that is to to copy. And to, to get in their shoes and to, to feel what it feels like to work on a piece long enough to bring it to that level of finish and to say, it hopefully it teaches you, you're capable of more. You're capable of mm-hmm. more focus. You're capable of more um, commitment. And you're also opening your, your mind up to solving problems in ways that you wouldn't have chosen to mm-hmm. solve them. And so good things come from that.
0: I'm looking at his work here and it is all over the place. It's bouncing around between Mm -hmm. uh, Jack Kirby style comic uh, pages, right? And which these look like they are master, uh, master copies. Um, You know, one post is Jack Kirby. One post is like a fully colored portrait of somebody. One post is like a photograph photographic reference trying to get some realism going on there then we've got cartoon chickens then we've got architecture painting um you know we've got a a a breakdown of like how high heel boots work on a human leg like this is definitely a person who's in (coughs) practice mode and who has no real focus for what they I, i have no idea what this person wants to be when they grow up, mm. essentially, To you know, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, I don't know if they want to do paintings or if they want to do comic books or if they want to do concept art. Um, and, and so I think this is great. Uh, if you do want to make some sort of career out of this or make some sort of calling card that people can point to and say, oh, yeah, this is something this guy did. It's time to, it really is time to stop playing around and, and, you know, being sort of the hobbyist and pick a lane, pick a direction and go finish a project. Uh, write that, write and draw that comic or do a series of portraits that actually are saying something, you know, yep. or do, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, do some concept art for, uh, for. a a movie that you've always wanted to see, but nobody's making, you know, that's what I would, that's what I would say. The next thing is, and you're going to definitely see some growth happening there, but I look at all this and I don't see a voice behind it. I don't see intention behind it other than just practicing,
2: Mm -hmm. which I think we have to, uh, I guess from my perspective, I think we have to, we still have to commend and give high fives because there's a lot of different diversity in here. Mm-hmm. That sometimes, when you do choose your lane, you mm-hmm. then don't draw the chicken or the landscape or the three dimensional perspective on something, and you sort of lose. You get you you atrophy on some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are trying to progress, especially in your social media presence. You got to kind of do that. So seven to 10 mm-hmm. years ago, this is what my Instagram looked like. It was all of this kind of stuff. And it wasn't until October uh, 2016, 2017 is when I decided uh, I was looking at so many cartoon strips uh, from when I was a kid. And that mm-hmm. was my main influence. But I was trying to draw all of this other stuff. It wasn't until that Inktober where I said, you know what, for the next 30 days, I'm going to cartoon, I'm going to texture, I'm going to play with volume Mm -hmm. and shape, and I gave myself that full 30 days. Now, we had a baby (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. middle of that, and then that baby was in the NICU for a while, and all sorts of stuff. But... I dedicated that entire month to cartooning. And guess what? It's all I do today. I don't do Mm -hmm. anything other than cartooning. I still add in some of the skill set that's here, portraiture, uh, landscape work, three-dimensional work. But that's as an aside to the lane that I chose. So I identified the thing that I love the most. I gave myself 30 days using Inktober, the guide rails of it to to make the thing. I started getting work. Like People Mm -hmm. started to identify what I was doing with that. And... Mm -hmm. And just game over. That's what I do today. Um, yeah. yeah. I love the idea though, that, that he knows, and there's a lot of people who are watching this or listening to this right now who are nodding their heads like, you need a project and you got to finish it. And he's like, I know I need a project. and I know I need to finish it. I, yeah. Someone needs to tell me that. Someone needs <laughs> so, to tell you, yo, we're telling you right now, choose a project and you got to mm-hmm. finish it and then choose yeah. a different project. And then you have to finish mm-hmm. it and make them small, make them manageable. And that project could be... 10 minutes a day, you you try to lean into the thing that you're so passionate about. And you're going to do that for the next 45 days. Just that can be your project. It doesn't have to be some big print thing or some comic. It can right. be small. It just has to be intentional. And that's what Jay keeps you know saying over and over again.
0: Here's Looking at what he's doing, here's the project I would prescribe for him. I would prescribe a 10-page comic story. Okay. Mm. and you don't even have to write it. what you can do is go on to Reddit and type in there's a, a subreddits about short stories and even like specific genre short stories so pick a genre that you like sci-fi, horror you know relationship or whatever and there's people just posting their short stories and you click you know you could click around on Reddit if you know how to use it um, Whichever story had the most upvotes? during a year or during a month or during the week. And that's how you can kind of sift through the pile and find the good stuff, Mm. right? And so you pick one of those stories or you write your own story, whatever. But then you commit to turn that short story into a comic because I'm looking at everything that you do, you're doing here and all your interests. And if you're like me, you do have a little bit of ADHD going on where you're like, "Uh, I can't do something for two weeks straight before I get (laughs) antsy and I got to shift to something else. So uh, this comic, what you're going to do is... Um, you're going to figure out who the characters are, so you're going to spend two weeks doing concept art for what these characters look like and what these environments look like. That's going to scratch your concept art itch. Then you're going to do the comics, The scratch the comics itch, and you're going to lay out that comic start to finish in rough pencils. You're not going to spend too much time making it detail. You're just worried about storytelling. Mm Okay, that's part two. It's 10 pages. You know, you take as long as you need, two weeks, two months, whatever. A page a week would be fine. That's fine, too. Right. Figure that out. Figure out your schedule. And then uh, if you're sick of that, then you go to designing the cover. And that's where your painting skills come in and, and sort of your compositional illustration skills come in. See, now you've got a cover for this little short 10-page story. Then you can go back and you can pencil it and you can ink it and then you can color it. And all these are like different jobs that usually are spread out among six different people in a professional, you know, uh, uh, top-tier comic. They just spread out their work so they can crank these things out every month. But for you, you're taking your time. You You're... you're you're learning still, and this is sort of your way to practice, you're going to be able to wear all those hats and really figure out in this whole process of doing this 10-page comic, what did I enjoy doing the most? And maybe there you figure out, okay, I just want to do comic book covers, you know, or I just want to do the concept art. And, and that's what you let that
2: inform what the next project's going to be doctor's I orders. <laughs> I agree. And then if you don't, Jake is going to punish you by using uh, an entire podcast of just weird metaphors and uh, analogies. Okay, I'll just so make please you save go us all. Listen to the first half of this podcast. <laughs> save us all, please.
0: Yeah, please, please. When I'm talking about a belly full of pop culture, you. You know, I've really got <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> okay. Okay. Next question. Next and last question. Uh, this comes in from Danica. She says, help, I'm drowning in paper and JPEG files. I love this. I love this question. She says she loves the podcast, been tuning in for several years, and our advice helped get her through college and the first few years of her career. So she says, I've been drawing for a good chunk of my life and I've gotten to the point where I feel like I'm drowning in piles of paper and sketchbooks. I've been racking my brain, but I don't recall uh, you talking about how to organize your art. Could you give us any tips on how to safely organize traditional and digital artwork? Here's her situation. Currently, I have boxes, folders, and portfolios holding traditional art from back in high school to the current day. I know the odds are I won't ever need the billion figure drawings and gestures I have but I can't seem to bring myself to throw them away. How do you know what to keep or throw away, and how do you organize what you hold on to? Starting in college, my main medium switched to digital. I'm constantly worried that my computer or iPad will fail and I'll lose my work. I currently have most of my art in a Google Drive folder, but I'm running out of space. Should I pay for the subscription? Where do you save your digital art, and how do you organize it in those files? This feels like a lot, but thanks for your willingness to share what you've learned over your career, and it's helped me immensely. All right. Let's do so, the traditional first and then tackle the digital. Okay. Traditional first. Will, you've been the traditionalist for the longest. What's your... And you've also downsized too. So mm-hmm. where's all that artwork? What, what have you done with it?
1: I saved everything. And then I, I've gone through like three... Uh, what would you call them? Um, reduction periods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, where I you start to realize... or. And I've, I've traded a lot of art with other illustrators. I've given mm-hmm. a lot to family members. I've sold some. And then you, you start realizing like, oh, not everything is of equal value. Yeah, mm-hmm. some of those studies are, I haven't looked at them for 10 years. Oh, you know, so you go through, uh, you know, every decade it seems like I, we, we would move somewhere and I'd need to, oh, yeah, let's let's deal with this. Because I, I had first, I made these boxes. Which I don't have anymore, um, out of plywood and mm-hmm. and two by sixes. I didn't want to spend the money for the really expensive, huge flat files. So I had a metal flat file that weighed a ton, and moving that thing was so hard. Um, and and we moved, and it was it was the worst. It was the thing I dreaded moving the most. Mm-hmm. And it was a small metal flat file. So I made these big wooden ones because I was ca- keeping everything. And and the wooden ones had because they didn't have like closures on the front. You just stuck the art in. Yeah, they got dust all over them. So then, like, I'd have Mm. them and I'd go through them. And anyway, just tons of dust. And so finally, like on the second time I went through stuff, Mm -hmm. I just threw away. You know, you hate doing it because you remember working on it. Right. You remember like all the time and effort you put into it but you also realize like no one's going to buy this. No one's going to hang it on their wall. But but so then I would so then I went through a huge period where I got rid of so much stuff.
0: You Marie and then I it up. Yeah, and then I and then I
1: <laughs> <laughs> then I had like all the good stuff. Well, even out of that, when we moved down here, we moved into a really small home. I didn't mm-hmm. have room for a lot of the stuff, and mm-hmm. I had to come to terms with it again. And go through another clean. So I have saved a few pieces from every year, you know, Mm. and some of the best Mm -hmm. stuff. And some of the stuff that I think I could still sell. And I have all that stuff, but I got rid of so much.
0: And it just and I don't miss it, you know. And right. So that's I think that's really healthy because you're like the artwork served its purpose and and it's no longer. If it's no longer really serving a purpose, it's okay to let it go. And you yeah. could even do like what Marie Kondo says. Like hold it in your hands, thank it for what it's contributed to your life, and then place it in burnish. The tr- oh, sorry. <laughs> place I burned so fire. much. I had a big
1: <laughs> I had a big bonfire one time of the stuff that I hated. hmm Which was which was most of the editorial work I did in the early nineties. I just burned that stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Get it out of your life. Get it. Yeah. Out of your what life. Yeah. What do you do with traditional stuff,
2: Anthony? Yeah. So. Uh, before starting my sketchbook company, uh, funny enough, I never put anything a sketchbook. sketchbooks. It was all loose-leaf <laughs> paper. And yeah. I'm telling you thousands and thousands of pages of gestures and eyeballs and how arms mm-hmm. connect to sockets and stuff. Um, some of it I kept around for posterity, put it into a box. I'll look at it mm-hmm. maybe once or twice more in the rest of my life. Uh, some of it I scanned in so I could put it into an eventual art book. We're working on the second art book right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started the sketchbook company, um, I started putting everything into sketchbooks and the sketchbook, I would either rip out the stuff that I really loved, sell it. I don't keep very much. Like I'll keep some of the, the, the basic sketches, the gesture Mm -hmm. stuff, but everything else, man, it's 10 or 20% of my income. So that stuff Mm -hmm. goes out the door as fast as I can make it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm not sentimental about it because I'll take a scan of it. I'll put it onto a couple of different, different drives, put it into an art book and then it serves its purpose. And you look back at some of that art, After four or five years and you're like, why did I like this? Why did I keep it? You know, and so right now I've got I've got a glut. I just rearranged my studio and moved some bookcases and like redid this whole thing. So the next big chunk is is me expunging a bunch of stuff and I'll either just give it away to to fans. I'll sell a bunch of it uh, or I'll just put it in a box and we'll look at it once more (laughs) in the next Mm -hmm. 60 years of my life. uh, I'm just, I just, for me, I'm just not precious with it, I guess. So
0: (laughs) I do a, an art sale twice a year, um, a a spring one and a fall one. And usually I can get rid of a good chunk of stuff that way. Uh, and, and I'm really trying to sell, um, that that's more like finished inked, like good looking stuff sketches. I just keep my sketchbooks, um, on a bookshelf and I do like to pull them down and flip through them uh, yeah. because I feel like I've gotten to a level now where even like some of my bad sketches, still the idea is really good there. I don't want to forget it. Uh, but ironically, because I did scan and and uh, make books, the drawings book series out of my best sketches, I more often look at the books I've printed then flipping through my old sketchbooks. And sometimes I will skip flip through an old sketchbook and I'll find a drawing that didn't quite make the cut that I forgot about. And I'm like, Oh, this was actually, you know, there's something cool here. Maybe I can develop that even more. Um, there's a, there's a, a a ton of older drawings that I am sort of in the same way where I'm like, "Uh, I don't want to get rid of them, but I'm probably going to have to do what will will did at some point. They're just in a bin in the storage unit. And, uh, you know, I'll ask my kids if they want any of it or whatever. And if not, then then we'll probably uh, pick out, you know, the best. And what I've done too is I've gotten these folders with acid-free sheet protectors. And I've just put a bunch of that artwork in those. So they're easy to flip through, this loose leaf stuff. Um, and that's a nice, easy way to like, doesn't take a lot of space. You can actually see uh, the orange and, and green folders up there. That's artwork and like stickers I've collected from cons and ephemera I've collected from cons and Kickstarters and letters people send me and notes like my kids leave behind and stuff. Um, I just stick them all in those folders and they're not like flying everywhere. They're just really easy to pull down, flip through, look at it, and, and put away. And so I think. That's probably what's going to happen at some point is just have a best of, and then, yeah. uh, and it's not taking up too much room. And then when you die, you can let your, uh, significant other or your children throw it away. <laughs> yeah. right. But, which
2: is what's going to happen with it. Right. That is what's going to happen. hundred percent. hundred percent. I do think so, having some, some, dis- some drives laying around that you can kind of categorize your stuff. I know this person asked mm-hmm. in their question, should you pay for cloud storage? I do have my stuff up in the cloud. But again, uh, it's all to service what will eventually be my next art book and then my next, next art book. And uh, all the pieces that I made for my first art book a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. I only kind of really like 20% of them anymore. Uh, I've moved on mm-hmm. to better stuff. And, and and at some point, you know, I'm just like, it's uh, time to go. See you later, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, oh. I, I use Dropbox for... Um, maybe the last few years of stuff. And then I use hard drives for anything before that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I have two hard drives and I think everything is on both of them or most things are on both of them. Um, uh, Dropbox is great because there's been times where I lost something and I went back in and Dropbox had archived it for me. And so I was able to pull it out. Mm-hmm. Apple has their version of it. Google drive has, is their version of it. Um, I don't think Google Drive is, is all at all expensive, but I actually trust these online platforms more than my hard drives at home because... Yeah. It's
1: harder. It's a harder copy because they, they yeah. write to different cities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, you. I think you're crazy if you're not doing a... If you really care about your art and you really want to make sure that you never lose it, the cloud is the hardest version of, of mm-hmm. digital. Because yeah. if... You know, it's, there's redundancy built in. I think it's minimum of three, three different physical locations. It's written to.
0: Well, can you imagine having this conversation, saying that sentence twenty years ago or thirty years ago? No,
1: <laughs> I didn't. The cloud I is didn't. the hardest place to save <laughs>
0: <laughs> a copy of I, your work. What What are you talking about?
1: I did it. I did a. I, did a, I, I did an... Um, illustration on email and i had to have the art director explain what email is <laughs> so i've been around for a little while
0: yeah well, what what the heck is she's like email just think of it long. as like a letter a little while
1: that you write to someone but you know how you have the the dial-up service for the you know the web page i'm like yeah well you'll go to like a web page and you write The she didn't even know what it was herself. She's
2: like, she write the letter. I like how you're. (laughs) This entire audience is is like twenty to thirty years old. They know. I know. know. But this is what she was
1: explaining, and I'm like, I still didn't quite get it. But but yeah.
2: And look at you now, sitting in front of a camera with a microphone and emailing. Oh man, every day. Look how far you've come. Look how far. So far. Right.
0: (laughs) Um. What is there any did we is there any I'm just trying to think if if there's anything else uh, I'm even to the point now where I don't worry about how much uh, hard drive space I have on my actual computer because the only thing that's really saved on there is operation like operating system files. right Everything else is is uh, cloud-based. The, yeah. I even have much. two.
1: I have carbonite and then I have sync because Dropbox did me dirty. For- it, you know, they I had a problem. You know, you have problems with companies and stuff. And so yeah. I'm like, that's it, Dropbox. I'm getting something else. And so I got Sync, S
2: Y N C, which is another Dropbox. But it's, I it's hard moved- because today's sponsor is Dropbox. And so <laughs> is there any way we can? Dropbox is great. That? Dropbox is great, you guys. <laughs> great for, great for uh, keeping track of your
0: files, bad for stealing your wife. So. <laughs> I'm I'm sure they didn't do that well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Should we? Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add? Should we wrap it up?
2: Uh, wrap it up. Wrap it up I up just better. wanted to say I clicked on uh, on Danica's uh, portfolio and their work mm-hmm. is uh, absolutely adorable and really great.
0: Absolutely adorable. Yeah. So what, what's her website called?
1: Um, Runyon. Uh, Danica Runyon.
0: Danica yeah, it's, it's a it's Weebly site. So. Yeah. So it check that really out cute stuff if you get a really
1: well done mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. okay i'll take this out you guys are good with that all right three point perspective is made possible by svs learn we're becoming a great illustrator starts and your hosts today have been will terry anthony wheeler and jake parker lee white couldn't join us he was on assignment somewhere doing something and he regrets <laughs> that uh, he couldn't he, he should have replaced me that's really what I was the one that needed to be uh, booted on, on this particular <laughs> particular episode uh, you can find Will Terry's work on YouTube and on um, Instagram at Will Terry Art you can find Anthony Wheeler over on Instagram Anthony Wheeler Art and also on Twitch where he does um, multiple streams a week uh, they're actually really fun they're, they're it's
2: a good time actually pop in actually you wouldn't think it you would not think it (laughs) after the fourth or fifth time i've been on this podcast they wouldn't actually thank you you are actually a good host jake i appreciate it (laughs) remember when it was your birthday the other day and i was like i hope it's pretty good (laughs) yeah hope you have a pretty good birthday and at the age of 44 that's about as good as you're gonna get (laughs) uh go
0: find him anthony wheeler at anthony wheeler art and i'm jake parker at jake parker um Mr. Jake Parker.com and at Jake Parker on Instagram. Podcast produced by Daniel2. Uh, that's Danieltu.co. Uh special thanks to our show notes Wrangler Lily Howell, our Chief Operations Officer, Lisa Fott. Now go draw something. Oh, one last thing. If you made it to this far, please put a um the little high hard drive emoji in <laughs> in the chat. We'll we'll say that one. Is there a hard drive emoji? I think there is. I don't know. Or if or, not, do something close. Or like or a dial up
1: <laughs> symbol. Type,
0: <laughs> type hard drive emoji. And we'll see who actually uh clicked off
2: before. Yeah, the who's outro. the real yeah, who's the real ones that are sticking who's, around? Who's the real ones? <laughs> yeah.
0: And then some people's gonna see they're gonna go back and see the messages and then go back and, and listen to it. And thing. then they're gonna did, think that
2: you're giving away a, a year subscription to Dropbox. And right, then right. so they're gonna put they're gonna put the hard drive emoji in there too. Right, yeah. exactly.
1: Anthony, we did a how to fix your art one time and we had a we were gonna do a meeting afterwards and we forgot to like start another meeting so we're still in the Zoom (laughs) and then we realized like there's still 30 people here in our meeting that's the best and so we're like you guys can just hang out and we just started our meeting that was Mm -hmm.
2: fun just take all the free advice you can get right (laughs) that's true luckily we
0: didn't we don't have any dastardly plans that were revealed in that (laughs) in that meeting
2: (laughs) but we're going to talk about your dastardly plans after this meeting after this one exactly
1: Exactly. after we kick everyone out this time. okay
0: i'm so. going to stop it before it gets any worse <laughs>